cleansing, in your renewal. We need the truth of your word in order to order our lives correctly. We need the passion that Paul exhibited in our pursuit of you. So, Lord, would you come now and anoint this word as it has been read and will now be proclaimed. Lord, we ask for your goodness and your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, your cleansing. Would you speak to us now and open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts. We pray it in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. How badly do you want it? How badly do you want to accomplish the dreams that you have? How badly do you want to fulfill the goals that you have in your life? How badly do you want the object of your desire? We pursue all kinds of things in this life. You might pursue an education. Are you willing to put in the time to do the homework, to, to work hard at it, to study and to learn, to get the grade? People are eager for a good-paying job, but are they willing to put in the time and to show up and to be regular and to work hard? People want good health and a fit body. But are we willing to exercise, to eat right, get enough sleep? People want success in sports to, be, to have notoriety on the court or on the ball diamond or on the field. Are they willing to put in the discipline, the hard work and practice? Some people want a new car, a new home, a new cell phone. People want a beautiful or attractive spouse. When I was a kid, I wanted nothing more than a drum set. When I was in high school, I dreamed about drum sets. I looked through magazines about drum sets. I started to save my money to buy a drum set. Finally, we found one. It was somebody in the church was having a garage sale, and they had a drum set for sale, a five-piece Ludwig drum set. Oh, man, we went out to see it. Oh, I just wanted that so badly. I couldn't afford it. My brother Larry loaned me the money, $300, for my first drum set. We pursue all kinds of things in this world, do we not? But today I want to ask the question in this lead-off message for this series, how badly do you want Jesus? How is your passion for pursuing Christ? Would you be willing to, to put in the work and the discipline and the dedication in order to grow closer to Jesus? Would you exert the same level of passion and fortitude when it comes to knowing Christ and knowing Him more deeply? Are you willing to sacrifice and suffer and pay the price to be close? to him how badly do you want it 
the Apostle Paul makes some astounding statements today about his own growth and religious development. Whatever was to my profit, he says, after listing this complete and thorough impeccable resume of all of his credentials as a Jewish man, he now says, whatever was to my profit, I consider all of that loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. He says, I consider them rubbish. The Greek word here is dung, manure, that I may gain Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain also to the resurrection from the dead. This is so far from where most of us are in regard to our own personal passion and desire for knowing Jesus Christ. Paul's passion for growing in Jesus puts mine to shame. Where are you in your passion and in your desire to grow and to know Jesus? Is it even a priority for you? Do we plan for it and prepare for it? Are we committed? Are we disciplined and dedicated to knowing Jesus? It's my hope and prayer today that Paul's passion will inspire each one of us to want to grow deeper, that we might rise taller and stand tall in stressful times. But there are some obstacles to our passion in growing in Jesus. And today I invite you to simply take out your outline and fill it in as we go. I want to share for you kind of three things that emerged for me in processing this message. Three things that often stand in the way of our passion for Jesus. So if we're going to, to run the race, we should throw off all that hinders and entangles. And so we're going to start with three things that hinder us in our passion and growth for Jesus that we just need to name and need to know. And then we're going to go on to three things why we ought to grow in Jesus. Three compelling reasons, if you will. First, we'll start with those barriers. Three reasons we don't pursue Jesus with passion. Number one, Satan. Let's just call a spade a spade and name it for what it is. The last thing Satan wants is for you to grow closer to Jesus. He will do everything that he can to thwart your spiritual growth. He will knock you down and beat you up and make you weak and depressed and despairing and keep you defeated and dead in your faith. This is the primary purpose of the enemy in our lives. That's what he's doing. Consider these passages of Scripture that, that name the enemy's work. In 1 Peter 5.8, Be self-controlled and alert. 
For your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In John chapter 8, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There's no truth in him. When he speaks lies, he speaks his native language. He is a liar and the father of lies. Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says that the God of this age, that is Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ Paul also writes in 2 Corinthians 11, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, remember the Garden of Eden, that your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. The enemy's task is to lead you astray. And for some, he's succeeding. Friends, if you're not aware, it is time to wise up and to rise up because we are engaged in a spiritual battle every day of our lives. There's nothing more the enemy would like than to keep you down and depressed, feeling tired and fatigued, feeling lethargic and lazy about your faith and about life in general. The enemy loves to crush your spirit, kill your motivation, get you distracted and discouraged and steal your peace and your joy. The enemy will do anything he can to immobilize you because if he can immobilize you, why, you're no threat to him. Then he's already succeeded. The last thing Satan wants is for believers to be passionate and on fire for Jesus. Followers of Jesus who love and serve him fully. And sometimes the enemy just puts this kind of haze of oppression and darkness and lethargy over God's people to hold us down. And it's time to rise up and say, enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Satan, you have no place in my life. Get out of here. Because the number one cause of our lack of passion and growth in Jesus is, in fact, Satan himself. Number two, it is status quo spirituality. Say it with me. Status quo spirituality. This is a primary result of the enemy's work in our lives. To lull us into comfort and complacency and a form of casual cultural Christianity which really has very little to do with following Jesus. And sometimes we feel like we're just going through the motions. Sometimes we feel like our prayers never really get any higher than the ceiling. There's no passion in it, no life in it, in our faith. Sometimes we lack vision, we lack faith that things could even be any better. Maybe we've even stopped believing for that miracle. We've stopped praying or reading our Bible. And if so, you have settled for status quo spirituality. It's very common. You've stopped believing that there's more to life, that things could be better, that God has more for you. Our faith has turned into rules and routines and rituals, but there's little joy in it. 
And now contrast that form of mediocre living with God's plan for you. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the sake of the gospel, he will find it. It is the paradox of the Christian life, the fact that in holding on to our lives, we end up losing them, but in giving them away for the cause of Christ, why, that's when we actually find our lives. That's when our soul is satisfied. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy Jesus said, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Basically, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, I need 100% dedication and commitment. You have to trust me even when it's not easy. You have to follow me even when it's not popular. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to make sacrifices. But I need fully devoted followers of Jesus. You're going to be in trouble most of the time. But you're going to have the adventure of a lifetime. You're going to have a life abundant, eternal, and free when you give it all to me. I think our problem is that we've bought into the lie from Satan that this is all there is, that things could never get any better or be any different. We've settled for status quo spirituality. Healing will never come. Things will never change. God will never answer these prayers. What do you have right now? That's all you're ever going to get in this life. So you might as well settle in, settle down, squeeze whatever life you can out of this world and hope for the best. But that's not why Jesus died. He didn't die so that you could have a mediocre status quo spirituality. He died to give you life and give it abundantly. God is calling you and me to grow deeper and higher and to become more mature, more abundant, and to be blessed more than you can ever imagine. You see, you never graduate from the school of discipleship. There's always more. There's always more. Satan is the number one threat. Status quo, spirituality, close behind. Thirdly, sin. Sin. Let's just name it. Let me give it to you straight. If you're indulging in sin on the side or dabbling in darkness, flirting with folly, it will sap your motivation to pursue and grow deeper in Jesus. As I've said before, Holy Spirit and sin do not mix like oil and water. You're either going to have one or the other, but you can't have both. Which is why King David cried out so desperately to God in Psalm 51 after having committed adultery with Bathsheba and having been called on it by his friend, the prophet Nathan. 
And he says, create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a right spirit, a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David knew that sin compromises the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. David knew that sin ruins intimacy with Jesus. Have you been feeling distant from God lately? Does it seem that God is nowhere to be found, not even listening or answering your prayers? Well, there could be many reasons for that, but one, just one, might simply be that there is unconfessed sin in your life. Maybe there's a habitual sin or one that you keep going back to. You've never really been able to overcome it. If you're harboring sin, indulging here and there, lusting, gossiping, holding on to anger and grudges, living with someone who is not your spouse, you diminish the presence and power of God in you. Plain and simple. Which is why God hates sin. Because it destroys our relationship with Him. These are three barriers to our passion for Jesus that we need to know that hinder our growth in Him. Let me just briefly now share three reasons why we, we should grow in Jesus. Three compelling reasons. Number one, Jesus is the source of true life. Hear the Word of God. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. That's Genesis 2, 7, creation of man. The thing that I find most interesting about that passage is that God had created man... There was the biological composition of a human being, but he was not alive until God breathed into him the Ruach of the Holy Spirit, and he became a living, breathing being. Sometimes we have the biological composition of men or women or children today. They're walking around as dead men walking but there's no life because we're missing the Spirit, the very breath of God. Job said in Job chapter 33, verse 4, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath the Almighty gives, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. He knew that it was from God that he had life. In Acts chapter 17, he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And he says, I am the way and the truth and the life in John 14, 6. I think, when will we learn? When will I learn that true life is only found in Jesus? That everything else is either a substitute or a distraction? I'm not saying we shouldn't love family and friends and get married or raise children, enjoy hobbies or homes and 
It's just that God gave us all of these things to enjoy and enrich our lives. We must know that the source is God, that every good and perfect gift comes to us from the Father in heaven. So why wouldn't we want to pursue God more? Why wouldn't we want more life in our lives? Who would not want more life? I believe God is willing to take you as deep as you are willing to engage Him. God and His Word are a treasure trove of riches waiting to be mined and discovered. The evangelist of the 1800s, Dwight L. Moody, said, The world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to Him. And then he went on to say, And by God's help, I aim to be that man. What's your aim? What are your spiritual goals moving into this new program season here at Grace Church, into this new year? Do you have any aims to grow? Are you taking it seriously? I know I've got some work to do. Perhaps you do too. Jesus is the source of true life. Number two, Jesus is salvation. The salvation that we need, in fact. Acts 2.21 tells us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the truth is we all need saving. The Bible reminds us that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But what I find is that I don't need just a one-and-done kind of salvation. I don't just say, I received Jesus into my heart, I'm going to heaven, and now I can just kind of live my life the way I want to. No, I need saving pretty much every day. And the Bible actually uses the word salvation in, in both, uh, not just a future tense, being saved to go to heaven, but, or a past tense, I'm saved, but a, a present tense, I'm being saved, and and I need saving in the future. Now think about that. Because when I'm in the midst of a sin, I need saving right then and there. When I'm lost and lonely, I need salvation right then and there. When I'm grieving the loss of a loved one, I, I need salvation. I need healing. And, and the Greek word for salvation, as you know, as I've shared with you before, is the word sozo, and it has such a wider meaning than just spiritual kind of salvation. It refers to a complete uh, healing, shalom, well-being. It's a multifaceted word with many meanings. Jesus is the source of the salvation that we need. Why would we not want to pursue that more? Paul says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I don't know about you, but I'm still working my salvation out. How are you doing in working your salvation out? Number three, a third compelling reason that we can grow with Jesus and increase our passion is because Jesus is spirit. He is the spirit, in fact, who walks with us. Jesus is the spirit who walks with us. This is the essence of the Christian life. The spirit in us, God in us, our catalyst, our energy, our power for living. 
I shudder the thought of having to go through life alone. Imagine if there were no family or friends or church family to lean on to help you get through tough times. But thankfully, we're not alone. You are never alone. God, by His Spirit, is always with us. He walks with you and talks with you. Family and friends are good too, but sometimes they can let us down. Sometimes they are unreliable and unpredictable. Sometimes they pass away before us. And yet God is a constant, consistent companion by His Spirit. To grow in Jesus is to grow in His Spirit, is to grow in our comfort and peace and the fruits of the Spirit. Jesus says in Matthew 28, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus said in John, he said, look, I, I'm, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to give you the Spirit. I will not leave you as orphans. Who would not want more of the Spirit in his or her life? Who would not want more of the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. Who would not want to feel the presence of Jesus in them daily? Who would not want more energy, more power? more peace, more of the presence of God. And these are the blessings and benefits of growing in Jesus, of pursuing Him with more passion. And so there are three things that we need to be aware of. There, there probably, there's probably a hundred of them, but I just wanted to, thankfully we don't have time for that. We, it's uh, just three today. And three, what I believe are compelling reasons to want to grow in Jesus. Where do you sit in all of this? How is your passion for growing in Jesus? Every morning, most every morning, I pray a prayer. Not necessarily every single day, but most mornings when I have my quiet time and I fall on my knees and I pray, I pray this prayer uh, among many other things, but I pray for kind of four things. And I think that there's a sequence I say, Lord, grant me purity today. Keep my heart and my mind pure before you. Lord, let me be pure. Let me be holy. And if I have purity, I say, Lord, let me, let me have peace. Let me have peace. Let me have holiness today. Because if I have purity and I'm right with God and I'm right with others, I think I'm going to have peace. So, Lord, grant me purity first. Grant me peace. Grant me power Grant me health, Lord, that if I have purity and peace in my life, I'm going to have spiritual power. I'm going to have your anointing. Lord, I need that power. I need that strength. I need your health in me. And then I say, Lord, grant me not only purity and peace and power, but grant me passion. Because if I have those first three, I think it's going to bubble over into a passion for Jesus. I want to be on fire for Christ. I want that chutzpah. If you're looking for the H's, they're holy, happy, healthy, and chutzpah. Okay. Although chutzpah can be spelled without an H too. It's a Jewish word, a Yiddish word, I believe. And uh, you know, to have some gumption, to have some energy, to have some, some gall. I want that for Jesus. 
purity, peace, power, and passion. May God grant us all the passion of Jesus as we rededicate today to becoming disciples, to serving Him, to growing in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we, we come before you today. We just kind of admit that we're, we're often given to our culture's brand of Christianity. Sometimes we see uh, our faith as just kind of a part of what we do in our culture. But Lord, that is so not true. And we realize even more and more today and as time progresses that, that we stand apart from our culture, from our nation, from society that we're called to stand taller, to stand strong, to be that witness and that shining light, to stand out and to rise above. Help us to do that, Lord. Just give us that vision, that passion, that power. Lord, come. Refresh us and renew us and light a fire under us, we pray that we might grow more and more like Jesus every day. In his holy name we ask it, amen.